Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me for this final episode of season four is my co-host and part of my Ohana, Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? I'm doing great, Andy. What a great movie for us to end season four with. Oh, man. Found family, redemptive love. It's all here, baby. That's that's everything on my menu, right? Like, yes, yes, please. I'll have some of all of this. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, obviously, the movie we're doing today is Lilo and Stitch from 2002. Yes. Uh, should we just dive in? Uh, well, let's go right to key facts. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So some key facts to get this party started. Uh, filed under nothing is ever wasted. Uh, in, mm. in 1985, artist Chris Sanders created a character named Stitch and pitched it unsuccessfully as a children's book. Fast forward 11 years later. Uh, Disney CEO Michael Eisner had been thinking about Dumbo. And the reason Michael Eisner had been thinking about Dumbo was it was a film that had been made for a lot less money than Snow White or Pinocchio or Fantasia, but it was still something that packed a lot of heart. So they were looking for the next Dumbo because they'd spent a lot of money on Mulan. Definitely yeah. a decade where a lot of money went into filmmaking. For that's, that's right. So Tom Schumacher, who is a Disney producer at the time, uh, approached Chris and asked him to pitch Stitch. So Chris pitched the story about an alien who had crash landed in a forest. Uh, he was encouraged to develop it. And we are all eternally grateful for this decision. During one stage of development, the movie was about a boy and an alien in Kansas. So it was a boy and his dog movie. But Chris really wanted Stitch to go through a transformation. And the decision was made to make Stitch's buddy a little girl asking the dramatic question, are these two going to get along? Uh, additionally, there were decisions made to have two sisters at odds with each other, yelling at each other as siblings do. In an interview, co-creator uh, Dean Dubois stated that the whole film was really about testing boundaries, particularly with the character of Stitch. It's a redemption story, so we knew we had to make him really manic and wild and misbehaved and then take him from a point of being almost completely unlikable to very vulnerable and lovable. It was about balance, trying to balance the whimsy against the weight. They, they accomplished that for sure. I agree. And, and I think if that was their guiding light, they, they hit that mark. So actors Tia Carrere and Jason Scott Lee were both raised in Hawaii. And they took a hand in rewriting character dialogue using the appropriate dialect and also adding Hawaiian slang. So when Nani says, Lilo, you Lolo, she's essentially calling Lilo a stupid head. So Lolo would be stupid head, right? Which is a very sisterly thing to call your younger <laughs> sister. Yes, for sure. Exactly. So the goodbye scene between Lilo and Nani, where Nani sings Aloha'i. Oh my gosh, uh, I cried is, during that scene. Well, it was a one take. They they basically said, well, what what would you sing to somebody if you love them a lot? Like a like they were like, oh, I and, and Tia said, oh, I would sing the song from that was written by Queen Lilio Kalani. Uh, I would sing that, and she sang it without even warming up. It was one take on a whim, and it ends up being the most tear jerking moment of the film, I think. So the Lilo and Stitch soundtrack went platinum. Uh, there were five. What? But Andy, that's <laughs> cheating. <laughs> Well, I mean, there were five songs by Elvis Presley. Yes! Right? I mean, yeah. what is Mickey Mouse going to do on one of these things? 
And you have two, you have two Elvis covers and of course the amazing songs, uh, the amazing original songs that are just phenomenal. And yes, those songs are, those songs are great and deserving to be on a platinum album. I'm just saying, I'm just saying they brought in a ringer. They brought in a ringer. A Hawaiian roller coaster ride absolutely gets me for some reason. It makes me cry. I don't know why it does, but it makes me cry every time I hear it. Um, Believe me, I'm the last person to tear shame. (laughs) I cried in an episode of Saved by the Bell, Andy. No shame. (laughs) So this movie did turn out to be their Dumbo. Uh, It was created with an $80 million budget. It took in $273.1 million at the box office. And of course, it starts an entire Disney franchise. Unlike Dumbo, but definitely uh, it kicks off a whole money-making uh, extravaganza for the Disney Corporation, for sure. For sure. And as popular as Lilo and Stitch is here in the States, Stitch is like a phenomenon in Asia. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know I don't know if you came across this in your research, um, but uh, there are Stitch movies, anime, cartoon episodes that we've never yes. seen in the States. Uh, there's one in Japan called Stitch with an exclamation point. Right. And there's the another. Anime. There's a Mandarin version, right? That yeah. one's, there's one Stitch and I don't know how to pronounce the name, but it's spelled AI. So uh, where where Stitch is with, with a girl, uh, a, a completely different girl. And I believe that one, that one airs in China. Uh, right. And when I went to Tokyo Disneyland, like the two big people, like when all the cartoon characters are walking around, everyone went crazy for Max from a Goofy movie, <laughs> but also Stitch. Everyone, really? Stitch was mobbed. Like people like, who's this Mickey Mouse fellow? Do not care. It's Stitch. It's Stitch or Die there. It's amazing. Interesting. Very interesting. So, yeah, I mean, and I love how, you know, Stitch in this film, of course, echoes. There's a lot of uh, uh, Godzilla Oh yeah, uh, kind it of makes a little town. Yeah, yeah, lots of great Godzilla references, and then also uh, Lilo when she's swimming. Uh, I jotted down in my notes. Gosh, this looks like this looks like Ponyo. Oh, for sure, an influence. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's get into it, and let's start to looking at Lilo and Stitch with the Monish Tana, which I am almost tempted to call a double Monish Tana, although that is. That is not really a thing because your Manish Tana <laughs> is the scene that opens up your movie. And it's it's why you start where you start. And this movie doesn't, I mean, you, you only get one. You only get one first second of your movie. But this movie does kind of feel like it starts twice. Uh, but let's take a look at this first opening sequence with, with um, the Intergalactic Interfederation Council of Weirdo Aliens, right? Some right, of whom right. look like rejected Winnie the Pooh characters. We were like, that one's Piglet and that one's Tigger. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they're not very alien to us, are they? No, but it does raise questions about where Tigger does come from. Uh, maybe there's some crossover there, why he's yeah. the only one. But we put all of that aside because that's silliness. Uh, we were at like the trial of evil scientist Jumba Jakaya who is being accused of genetic experiments that are highly illegal, which he denies until they bring in the genetic experiment, experiment 626, um, who 
in what I thought was uh, a really fair shake. The Grand Councilwoman convening the trial actually is like, hey, abomination that was created, not your fault how you were made. Can you show us that you're not like a monster and right. that like your ascension being worthy of protecting to which experiment 626 like moons them and snarls at them and shows really no nothing but malevolence towards them. So uh, Jumba is sentenced to jail uh, and Stitch is sentenced again in surprising mercy. These aliens are are great, honestly, mm -hmm. all things. They're like, we're just going to exile him on a planet where he can't harm anyone because it's so clear he wants to harm everyone. Right. So the councilwoman right. assigns Captain G Gantu to, you know, take, take Stitch and exile him. Stitch escapes, hijacks a pod, heading towards Earth. That's how this movie opens. And I'm well, wondering... And, yeah, I'm sorry. I wanna, I I, yeah, no, I just want to jump in here real quickly. Like, one of the things that he's... That the Galactic uh, Federation woman... What is her name? Grand Councilwoman. Uh, I don't think Grand, we get a name Grand, for her. Yeah, I don't think we get a, yeah, a name. But I, she says to Stitch, show us there is something inside you that is good. Yeah. And he basically does something that's everybody's appalled by whatever he says. Yeah, that, he says and, something bad. Yeah, and and, and everybody faints. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and and she she tells him that he's really naughty, and and she calls him a flawed product of a deranged mind. She, I mean, she tell, calls him illegal genetic material. I mean, she says basically this this character is irredeemable. But by the same token, from what we've seen of him, we know why she's saying these things, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. She's giving him about as fair, more more of a fair chance than I would expect at the beginning of this movie. But right. the question I want to ask is, Andy, why do we start the movie here with Stitch? Because in a couple of moments, we're going we're gonna to leave Stitch and it's going to feel like the movie starts over. Why do we need to begin here? Usually that takes two or three minutes. This time it's like 10 minutes long. So we're really into like the time where we should be seeing an inciting incident. I think they're trying to, I think the setup is more like a romantic comedy where then Lilo would be the inciting incident for Stitch and setting up Stitch as the protagonist. So it's a, it's a play with that. I mean, I think it's a real play with that because I think ultimately Stitch is the protagonist of this movie, which is weird, right? Because we yeah, get so much he's with Lilo and He's not the antagonist, even though he <clears throat> right. does a lot of antagonizing. Right. Um, but we're seeing a lot of the movie through his eyes. But in this opening scene, we're not, we're not watching it through Stitch. No. In this opening scene, we're watching it through the Grand Councilwoman. Uh, possibly even through Gantu when she hands it off. But Stitch is a mystery to us. And I, but, I guess... But, but what, happens, what happens is so interesting because we're sort of prejudiced against Stitch because we think, oh my gosh, this guy's going to create all this havoc. And, and we're then not all, wrong. No, we're not wrong. And then we're like, oh my gosh, it, he's going to destroy this family. This family's already destroyed and now it's even worse. And it's like, and all of a sudden, like things start to, the prejudice starts to fall away as Stitch starts to learn and grow. 
What's interesting to me about this Manish Tana, and, and maybe it's a flaw, but it's not a flaw that impacts my enjoyment of the movie, is we're getting a lot of exposition. We, you know, we have to get Stitch to Earth. That's the right. goal of these 10 minutes. We got to get him there. We got to know a bit about his, his backstory. And that gets accomplished here. But the flaw is, in terms of knowing who these characters are, I don't. I spend 10 minutes with these characters. I get a sense of who Stitch is right now, but he's not really a person to me yet. He's more of a mischievous force. I have no idea who Jamba is. Uh, I, I mean, I know I can identify Jamba, but on the one hand, he's like, I made the evil, evil alien to destroy things because I'm mad scientist. But he's also like, ah, but you know, like he's also so nice. I've got no idea why he made Stitch, what he really wants. Is he a villain? Is he not a villain? Captain Gantu, same thing. I don't right. really, on the one hand, he's like this rule-following guy. On the other hand, he's mean to Stitch. But on a third hand, which some of these aliens have, um, on a third hand, you know, like she's deservedly, I mean, I mean, Stitch sure. seems to be a monster. And I right. leave having met these characters, but knowing nothing about who they are really. Yeah. Uh, I, and, and maybe that's intentional, but I, but I, I will say see, after, after about five minutes, I'm ready for something else to happen. Yeah. It's too long. It is. It it's is. too, we, yeah. we don't get enough out of spending time with these characters. Um, and I, I feel like if I was going to fix this a little bit, we'd need a different POV and maybe that POV should be Pleakley because we'll meet Pleakley later on in the movie. But I wonder if we met, met him earlier, we would have a character who is never going, like, is never a mystery to me. Pleakley, Pleakley, like, mm -hmm. like is who he shows up as in the first possible moment. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. We'll come back I mean, to that I, later. I mean, another POV, another version of this, I think, has has this telling it from Stitch's point of view. Ooh, if the camera was Stitch's eyes and yes. we were watching everything happen. Yeah. Uh, and maybe we didn't see Stitch right yeah. away. And yeah. we don't see him till he's on Earth. I, I think that's an interesting choice. Ooh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. I would like that, too. Yeah. Because um, I think I'd like to get inside Stitch's head a little more, especially if he's functioning as the protagonist. But I also understand this this immediate prejudice against him because that's that's kind of the same thing we get with with Lilo. We're kind of prejudiced against her too, although she has some little sweet sweet bits to her. Um, right. So yeah. let's get to let's get to Lilo. Yeah. So so uh after after the uh Stitch is headed towards Earth, as they say, <laughs> um we we cut instead to seeing Lilo, this young girl who's swimming in the ocean. Um uh and we we get some we get some great music going through, but what what we see is everybody else is, you know, at a hula hula, pra hula practice. And Lilo is supposed to be there. She's not there. She's swimming in the ocean. She gets out of the ocean. She, we see her sort of doing like, like racing to mm -hmm. her hula, hula practice. She gets there. She joins. But because she gets the entire floor wet, um, you know, uh, the, the other little girls who are in the recital all, you know, slip and fall. Uh, it's kind it's kind of a mess. 
Uh, and she gets into an immediate fight with one of the other girls, Myrtle, when Myrtle calls her like weird uh, mm-hmm. and like punches and bites her. It is a right. disproportionate response. Right. Right. Um, and and that's our first introduction to Lilo. And what we what we actually see is I'm, and, and we spend a lot of time with Lilo. I don't want to recap every second of this of the story because it's not all important. What would you say is the inciting incident for Lilo? I'm going to say it's Stitch being adopted by Lilo and Nani. And yet, and I agree with you, Andy, that that's what it's supposed to be. Uh-huh. There's something else that happens that feels like an inciting incident, and it's Cobra Bubbles arriving. Yeah, that might be. Yeah, I, I mean, we've got this duality. It's, there's a lot going on here. It's, it's almost as if this movie is structured. Stitch has an inciting incident. Lilo has an inciting incident. And then when they meet together, it's a third inciting incident that they both share. So Stitch's inciting incident is he travels from one world to another, which I always say is the inciting incident, right? Right, right. We we start in one world, he comes to another. Lilo's is she's there's there's a threat. It's it's really Lilo and Nani's uh inciting incident. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, like this this family is being threatened, right? If Cobra Bubbles doesn't threaten to take Lilo away from Nani, Nani does not take Lilo immediately to the to the pound to get a dog, right? Like like those things set off a chain of events. She's trying to find the thing that will help Lilo get better very quickly. And a friend seems to be the answer. A human friend is out of the question. A dog. I mean, I mean, this is straight from the book of Andy. The answer here is a dog. You get a dog. The answer is always a dog. (laughs) It's always a dog for you. That's right. That's right. I mean, uh, which is why her uh, math test, she'd get a zero because it was like 27 times eight. And Andy would write a dog, dog, dog. <laughs> That's right. Every single time. Oh, my goodness. OK. But, uh, but again, Larry, this is like a romantic comedy. I mean, it's a oh, love sure. story structured in much the same way. You have Stitch and Lilo both have these unfulfilled desires and then they meet at the adoption. Right. And then so the we, movie, and that's the what we've been waiting for. The movie right. called Lilo and Stitch. Lilo's right. got to meet Stitch. That's right. That's right. I'm just, I'm just pointing it out. Not as this is not a flaw, but yeah. when when we talk about varying structure, this is a variation of structure that Absolutely. each of these characters gets an inciting incident that propels them to the place where the truest inciting incident happens, where they meet. Right. Well, and when we get to rising action, this script is just rife with conflict. Lots of conflict. And almost everybody is in conflict with everybody else here. <laughs> it's chaos. <laughs> I, the whole movie feels like chaos. And I don't uh-huh. mean that in a bad way. No, in I, the best way possible. Uh, this, this, is a, this is a movie where it just feels like you've just got, you're watching someone juggle 15 balls and you're worried that one of them is going to drop at any given moment. That's but right. no, they're just juggling those balls. So, so do, I, and I'm going to get through the plot quickly here because it's a lot of sequence stuff. Um, but essentially what we have, Nani is in conflict with Lilo because Lilo is, is, out of control and Nani doesn't know how to be a parent to her, not for Nani's lack of trying. 
Nani has conflict with Cobra Bubbles because Cobra Bubbles is threatening to take Lilo away. Right. Nani, who who I have to tell you, Andy, I think this movie should be called Lilo Stitch and Nani because Nani is every bit as much a protagonist to me in this movie. Agree, agree. Um, Nani has conflict with her work environment. She's got to get a job. She goes for a series of of employment offers. It's failing. Um, then we've got Lilo, who's trying well, to... Well, Nani, Nani's also in conflict with David because she likes him, but she can't do anything about it because true. of all of the all of the stuff she's got going on. It, so. but that, that's, that's kind of a weaker... Con- like, like, sure. like, basically, she keeps telling she, David, respect my boundaries, and David does. So it's not like David doesn't fight back that well, other than just being so lovable. You're like, Nani, kiss this dude. <laughs> Right. But I, I think there is this feeling that she can't have what she wants because she's saddled with all of this responsibility. Oh, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And there, those of us in the audience are just like, marry David and then he'll help. <laughs> um, but 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 good for not that would be the wrong reason for Nani to marry David. Right. That's Nani right. should That's be right. with David because she wants to be with David, not because she needs help with Lilo. That's right. Lilo has conflict with Stitch because Stitch is out of control. And there's a nice parallel here. Nani's problems with Lilo parallel Lilo's problems with Stitch. Lilo gets to experience what it's like to be Nani by, by having the responsibility of taking care of Stitch. Meanwhile, Jumba and Pleakley have come down to Earth to capture Stitch. That's another conflict. Right. And all of these things are happening simultaneously all the time in every single scene. The thing that's also happening during the rising action is Stitch starts to want something different. At the beginning of this, he wants to get to a city so he can destroy it. He hears the story of the ugly duckling. He is loved so fiercely by Lilo that it changes him and makes him want a family. And sort of unconditionally by her, too. Like, she sticks her neck out for him a number of times. Repeatedly. Undeservedly excuses the things that he does, just like Nani does for everyone. Every time, look, when anybody talks to Nani about Lilo, she is not honest. She just, she stands up for her sister every single time and says, the other social workers just loved her. She's special. She's different. No one mm-hmm. understands her but me. Right, right. And then when the door is closed, we see how frustrated Nani is putting up that front. Right, right. And Lilo kind of does what Nani does for her for Stitch. He's yes. an angel. He's a baby. <laughs> I love him. Right. But right. privately, when no one else is around, that's when she gets frustrated with that's Stitch. right. That's right. No more caffeine now, for you, right? <laughs> when we get towards the co- the climax, this is where things get a little mucky for me, because we have been moving. If if like if we're talking about what is the big climax of this going to be, the climax would appear to be Jumba is going to catch Stitch. Jumba and Stitch and Lilo are are headed on a collision course. Jumba has been, throughout this movie, doing the things that the antagonist of the movie should be doing. Would you agree with me on this? Sure. We're, We're expecting a confrontation between them. 
And this is where the movie gets weird for me, which is the ground councilwoman fires Jumba. And again, it feels like an escalation for Jumba, which is like, now he's like, now I do things by my rules. Exactly. Uh, it feels like maybe he's being unleashed. Now the real danger is here. He's been shot. Right. But the ground councilwoman sends Captain Gantu down and Captain Gantu captures Stitch and Lilo. And and then I have a hard time with the climax of this. Stitch escapes, but Lilo doesn't. Right. And and so what is we have a scene where Stitch and Nani confront each other, where Nani mm-hmm. confronts Stitch and says, I know you can talk. Talk. What's going on? Where's my sister? Mm-hmm. And at that point, the conflict is between Nani and Stitch. Right. Not Jumba comes back and captures Stitch. Nani convinces Nani and Stitch together convince Jumba on a dime that instead they need to rescue Lilo. And I have to tell you, I'm, I, I think the climax is supposed to be this final confrontation between Gantu mm-hmm. and Nani and Stitch working together to free Lilo. Right. And I think that's wrong. I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's a bad movie. Right. But I think it's I think it's wrong. Well, I think Stitch needs to be the one that does the saving. Sure. And I, and I think that with I think Captain Gantu is extraneous. We I, I don't know what he's doing. I, I don't I don't. I'm I think it's I, I think it's too many characters. I think if you took yes. Gan, I think if you took Gantu out, right? And you just made this about Jumba and Pleakley, and then Pleakley goes, but we have to yeah, you know, Pleakley is true to character and says, we can't, we can't kill this kid, you know, and makes a case to Jumba. And then Jumba is finally punished for being the evil, you know, thing that they they are right. There I mean, is an antagonist just... function problem in this movie, and I yes. want to talk about it more when we get to Jumba because okay. I have so much to say, and we need to get through plot. Sure, but I do, for now, if we can just say that, like, who is confronting who in the climax mm-hmm. is weird to me. If we accept that G- Gantu was intended to be the big bad of this movie all along, which mm-hmm. I do not accept, but I will for the sake of this argument, shouldn't this movie be Lilo and Stitch working together to rescue Nani? Yes. Rather than Nani and Stitch working together to rescue Lilo. Agree. It, that's a, Well, that's another version, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I, it, it just feels off to me. Yeah. Uh, and then we get towards falling action. G- Gantu has been defeated. Lilo has been saved. And we have what might be another climax. It's a softer climax. The Grand mm-hmm. Councilwoman has shown up. She has captured Stitch um, mm-hmm. and is going to take Stitch back to what whatever plan that they were, they were going to be. Cobra Bubbles is present. Uh, Stitch demonstrates that he's found a family, that he's found love, that he's been changed through the course of this adventure. The mm-hmm. Grand Councilwoman appears to be moved by this. But because she's a rules is rules kind of person is going to take Stitch away. Cobra Bubbles reminds Lilo to that she bought Stitch at this animal adoption center. And right. 
And in some way, that little bit of legal mumbo jumbo is enough to straighten everything out. Which I is amazing, actually. I, I don't really buy it for a second. Like the line that Cobra Bubble says is aliens are very impressed by rules. Um, but that can't be true of all aliens because we've met a number of them that where that's not true. Right. Um, but whatever. The important, but we all say whatever. When I say whatever, I don't mean like whatever. I mean like no one watching this movie really wants to analyze that because we want the happy ending. Right. Lilo and and Stitch and Nani and David are a family. And mm. uh, my my favorite line in this whole movie is is as the Grand Council woman is getting back aboard the ship and, and Gantu's been disgraced and they're all going back and like Pleakley and Jumbo wave to her when she turns to the other people and she goes, don't let them back on the ship. And <laughs> that is the best line in the whole movie. And then for whatever reason, Pleakley and Jumba are also now part of this found family, right. this Ohana. Right, right. And, um, and we know nobody's every... ever left or forgotten, right? So it's becomes that becomes their thing too. Although right? Pleakley, I, although I have issues with this, Pleakley calls his mom in the middle of this. Well, you can't just leave Pleakley on Earth. Right. And of course, then the falling action um, is that the house is rebuilt, right? Figuratively and literally. Yes, it's, so. a, it's a symbolic rebuilding. And it also feels like Cobra Bubbles is going to be a permanent member of the family. I know subsequent movies and cartoons do not do not feature him in that role, but it appears like he's going to be watching out for them forever uh, right. going forward uh, in a sort of avuncular kind of kind of role. Yeah. Well, let's let's dig into characters. Um, let's I'm talk about I, I, I know these are these are some of the best characters in in Disney uh, animation. So Lilo, uh, Dabby Chase, uh, I, precocious, traumatized kid says things like people treat me different. I love how she does deep dives into Elvis and, and fish and creates things like Sandwich Day. <laughs> So Betsy has a whole theory. Betsy is my wife, has a yes. whole theory about Sandwich Day. Yes. Okay. Can, can I share it with you? It's yeah, great. please, please. So do you remember the reason why she says she has to go to the fish and give the fish a sandwich? Peanut butter sandwich. Why because, she has to give the fish a peanut butter sandwich? Because Pudge controls the weather. Pudge controls the weather. And Betsy says to me, her parents died because of the weather. Ah. <sighs> Her oh parents went out, it rained, and they died. So she, Betsy says to me, what must have happened is the day that, that like, Lilo didn't give a peanut butter sandwich to Pudge mm. must have been the day, that night, her, she's connected those things in her mind. Yep. And no matter what she's doing, she's got to give that fish a peanut butter sandwich or she'll lose someone. Yeah, that magical thinking that children have about, you know, grief and loss, I think is all in with Lilo. It's, it's all, all it's all connected in some way. And I mean, she she champions Stitch. She tries to get him to be Elvis, right? She says Elvis was a model citizen, right? Which I yeah. think is always funny. Um, even though all of that effort is ultimately a fail, she tries to, she really does try to get Lilo sees, her way. Lilo sees people as beautiful that we would not typically see as beautiful. Yeah. There's this one guy we constantly see um, 
who is sunburned in all like like he's clearly been out <laughs> his in the farmer country. tan right yeah yes you know um he's definitely not created to look attractive but she wants to take a picture and she's got walls and walls of people who look unusual and to them she's beautiful uh there, there's so much going on like we are we will ne- we will never be able to get into lilo's mind no which is part of why we have Nani, because we are 100% in Nani's mind at right. all the time. Right, um, but, but and, we, and Lilo really is, you know, messing up what Nani's trying to create. And it's not clear why. Because if you ask Lilo, do you want to be taken away from Nani? The actions you're taking are causing you to be taken away from Nani. Right. Right, right. Nani says, wait for me to pick you up from school. And Lilo doesn't. Right. Uh, Lilo nails the door shut. Lilo says things to the social worker that that disciplined with bricks. Right. (laughs) Right. Like she couldn't do she couldn't do more. But I don't I don't know that Lilo even knows what she's doing or knows the consequences of her actions. I don't think so either. I think everybody I I think, uh, you know, in years of dealing with kids who've been traumatized, I can tell you that sometimes they just sort of stir things up and you're not really sure why they're stirring it up, but they're stirring it up. And so because what it does is that I think that conflict that they're creating is a projection of the conflict that's going on inside of them especially when there's trapped grief or grief that hasn't been explored and sometimes sometimes when you feel like you're going to lose people and it's Mm -hmm. not going to be on your terms you push people away so that it can be you're the one who pushed them away i'm not the one who got abandoned exactly yeah but but even early on like i i think i think lilo really doesn't She's she's living moment to moment as children do. She's not following an objective towards getting what she wants. And it right. makes her a great character and to a degree, a realistic child character that we don't generally see in movies. Yeah. I mean, if you add a dash of impulse control issues and stir, you get this great character who is. She is chaos, just like Stitch is chaos. Yes. Right? And the way she treats Stitch is so intuitive. That's why I said, you know, dogs always, you always get a dog, right? She says things like, I know that's why you wreck things. Please note that Andy did not offer Stitch as an option to me in our previous episode <laughs> about adopting a dog because she knows how that would go. <laughs> Answer, no. Um, no. But yeah, I mean, you know, I know why you wreck things and you push me. You could be our baby and we could raise you to be good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, she knows what it's like to be the baby, to be raised to be good. And- I'm- yeah, I mean, this is like this is a heart, a heart tug for me, um, because you know, six two six. We're told can't be taught to overcome its destructive programming. We're often told that about traumatized children that well, they're just the way they are. Their genetics play a role. They can't really learn anything. And once they're adopted or fostered by a family, there's no going back. You can't change anything. And that's certainly certainly not the case. No, for um, sure. Right. Every person has their own abilities to, you might have tendencies, but you certainly have your own abilities to change and grow. Yeah. And I'm not even sure if we're talking about Lilo or Stitch here in this moment. Exactly. I think we're talking about both of them. They're soulmates in this way. They are. They are. And I think Lilo gets Stitch for that reason. So let's talk a little bit about Stitch. Um, Chris Sanders, 
who um, came up with Stitch, also voices Stitch, which is kind of fun. Oh, that's great. Um, you know, he has no identity until he's adopted by Lilo and Nani. She doesn't even have a name till till Lilo no. gives him a name. That's and, right. And there's something magical in the fact that, like, when you name something, you make it your own. That's right. Um, being six two six is is nothing. It has it has no name. Um, and she she creates him. In a, well, I mean, Jumba created him, but she creates a version of him. She gives him his soul. I mean, the thing that um, one of the things that I, for many years, trained. Um, foster and adoptive parents. But one of the things when a kid comes to your house that you should always do is take a picture of that child, put it in a frame and put it on the mantle with everybody else. Meaning yes. you belong here at this, you know, may not be forever, but you belong here for now. Right. And that's, a, that's at the end of the movie, when we see the family picture with, with stitch kind of, you know, sort of grafted into that, it's it's perfect. I mean, Lilo knows exactly what she's doing and she knows it intuitively and she is creating Stitch's soul. Yeah. And nurture and nurturing it. Yeah. I one of my favorite scenes happens in the montage where they go surfing, which mm. feels like to when when they start it, you're like, okay, this is gonna be a waste of five minutes, go to the bathroom. But I hope you don't go to the bathroom during the surfing sequence. Because what we watch is you watch Stitch watch David, Nani, and Lilo play together. Yes. And he tries to imitate that play just him. Like, do I actually need other people for the things that they're doing to be fun? And right. it's all shown visually to the point where, like, Lilo, Stitch comes up. He He's almost embarrassed. It's all in his physicality to even ask for the thing that he wants, which is to be on the surfboard with them. Right. Right. It's such a transformation. It's all told without words. It's all told through body language. We watch Stitch, watch them. He tries to do it himself. It's such a great sequence. And there's like when when he when he comes over to them, like like Tigger, who's been debounced, you know, it's right. it's your heart opens for him. Right. That's before then you were like, he's using Lilo to avoid Jumba and Pleakley. He right, has no right, intention right. of staying. As soon as Jumba and Pleakley are gone, he's going to escape. He's an and evil now, koala forever. Yeah, exactly. And now he doesn't want to. No. Now there's, now there's something here that he wants out of this family life. And those little, those little ears tuck back uh, yes. visually. And we know, I mean, if you've ever had a dog, <laughs> And their ears go back, you know, they're, they're, there's like, there's, there's a want there. You yeah, just have and, to and, find out what it is. And Larry, who knows very little about dogs would say, and, and they, they often like have that extra pair of legs that retract into their body too, right? Like, uh, no, no. When they, they do, do that, that's how you know they love you. It's when those, no? Oh, uh, no. Andy's, no. Andy's telling me my, my um, biology skills need some more. Well, yeah, I need some more. That's fine. Um. But I, I really think this character is so uh, classic nature versus nurture, right? Ultimately, oh, ultimately, ultimately, nurture wins out. And, and, and Stitch seeing himself in Lilo, I mean, she sees herself in him. He sees himself in her. He realizes he's lost. He's waiting yes. for a family. He doesn't want to be left or forgotten, right? Agreed. And, and he's taking all of this in. And it's it's something else. It's pretty great. Oh, that's amazing. That's yeah. so good. Yeah. So let's Can talk about Nani. 
Disney princess. Nani is a Disney princess. I am convinced. I I will fight anyone. Nani is amazing. Uh, She is the hero of this movie. I am a fierce Nani fan. Yeah, Tia Carrera, right? What a great actor. I mean, I also uh, like Tia Carrera, but I like Nani. She brings a lot to this to this performance and Nani is my <laughs> Nani is awesome. And if you've ever been a frazzled mother with a kid who is struggling, you get Nani. Nani Nani is my heart always goes to her. She very, is from the opening moments so hard. <laughs> hard. She's with every frustrating experience she has, like you you watch what Nani's doing and you see the circumstance she's in. She's like she really couldn't do it any better. Even Cobra Bubbles says it to her. Right. I know you're really trying, but maybe you're not what's best for her, which is so devastating. Yeah. I mean, she's she's keeping it all together. She prioritizes Lilo over her own comfort and her dating life, right? Her she's, entire life. She's have- trying to find work in a tourist industry during the off season, which living in an area that's kind of known for tourism, that's just that's just so hard to do. And she hasn't had any time for her own grief. Nani, Nani did not sign up for this. Nani no. was supposed to just be Lilo's big sister, much older sister, frankly, right? Right. Um, and and now she's Lilo's mom. I love the, I love when Lilo says, "I like you better as a sister than as a mom." And so Nani big. would rather be her sister than her mom too. Yeah, it's it. There's so much grief and loss in it. It's, uh, but but and, Nani, and the threat that Cobra Bubbles brings of taking, I mean, Lilo's her last connection to her fa- to her mom and dad. So if she takes Lilo, that means that's that that just compounds the loss. It it. It really does. When when Cobra says to her towards the middle part of this movie, uh, I think you need to realize, you know, what that even though you need Lilo, you're not what Lilo needs, mm-hmm. which is such a devastating thing. Uh, not Nani has been trying so hard, and right. just to be told that you failed and that you did the best you could, and you still failed. You know? Right. And the, and the child trauma specialist in me wants to smack Cobra Bubbles and be like, why don't you offer supports to this family instead of just judgment? But that's I just felt me. That way, I felt <laughs> that way this whole movie. We uh-huh. have to we have to assume that the other social workers offered those supports and none of them worked. Mm. And he says, I am I am the one who comes when everything else has gone wrong. Right. That's true. But um, yeah. And he, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you on all of that. But if he if he needs to be that level of threat, ultimately, I mean, ultimately, how do you feel about Cobra Bubbles? Because I kind of love him, too. I do love him. And I think he's, you know, I, I think there are times when I wish uh, in a child welfare situation we had had a Cobra Bubbles uh, <clears throat> yeah. remove a child because uh, care about a child. There, There's a tenderness to him. Even though he's like tough and tough as nails or whatever with Nani, there's a tenderness to him, especially when he talks to Lilo. Um, there is. And and the, the care that they put in his dialogue mm-hmm. thus far, you have waited in the soft harbor of my patience. Like, like, like he is. He is so good. Or, I also love when Lilo asks him, have you killed anybody? And he goes, we're getting off the subject here. <laughs> 
But with that line, we know he's got a backstory, right? We oh, know he's got something. Sure. And you're like, okay. And that wholly sets up his, like, you're like, of course he was in the CIA. That makes a sense. And, Mark, and, and like, I mean, she's like, your knuckles read Cobra, right? When what they say CIA, that? you have to also have to keep in mind, this is in the aftermath of Men in Black. We are supposed to think, not CIA, we're supposed to think Cobra Bubbles was like, uh, you know, in with Will Smith and Tommy right. Lee Jones. In, Correct. In the, um, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> Save the planet once. Convince a bunch of aliens that uh, mosquitoes were an endangered species. Right, right, so. right which is a great, great. payoff to Pleakley's whole, uh, whole it's thing. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. So many great setups and payoffs in this movie. Okay, let's talk about Dr. Jumba. I need to talk about him. I know you do. All right. I want to say at the outset of this, I like Jumba. Mm-hmm. I enjoy him. I think he's a fun character. Mm-hmm. That being said... What is his deal? <laughs> what do you mean? So when we first meet him, he's a scientist. He describes himself as an evil scientist. He made Stitch to destroy cities. He, right. he that's the success of his experiment. He wants he he's creating Stitch as a weapon of mass destruction. That's right. That is his goal. And at the same time, uh, he's, he's comes down to, to earth and he, he alternates between being like, I'm going to kill Lilo and Pleakley having to say, you will not harm that girl. Right. Like, like being bound by the rules, he is destructive. And yet at the same time, he's often like emotionally intuitive when talking to Stitch. He has a mm-hmm. conversation with Stitch where he's not entirely unsympathetic. We we get he talks about how he tried to create Stitch in his own image, but clearly something went wrong, which mm. which makes me think, is Jumba a Geppetto type of character? Does the name uh Jumba Jakiba supposed to is it like some sort of did they get that name by playing around with the name Geppetto Jumba? I don't know. Interesting. Um, and yet, when he finally captures Stitch, Stitch says two words to him about how important it is to save Lilo, and he switches on a dime. And at the end of the movie, he's living with Nani and Lilo, and we're all supposed and and as Timon would say, and we're all just okay with that. Right. Right. What um, is, is he a villain? Is he done making evil experiments? Is he going to make more? I, I, I don't know him at all by the mm-hmm. end of the movie. And I didn't know him to begin with. And, and I want to, I want to compare that with Pleakley a little bit. Pleakley, yeah. I know every, I, we can talk about Pleakley. Can we do Pleakley next? But sure, sure. Let's talk about Pleakley. Uh, I mean, I, I think Pleakley loves the idea of conservation, but not so much the reality of it, right? Well, sure. It's kind of like, he- like me and camping. Like, I love camping until I actually am camping. Pleakley <laughs> is the socially progressive alien who, socially progressive person who has no firsthand experience with the issues that he's trying to champion. He's an He's someone who you would say is an a misinformed ally trying to do his best, but has not really educated him on himself on the issues that he needs to, to champion. Right. Well, well-intentioned, right. but needs some firsthand experience. Here's what I would do with Jumba and Pleakley that I think would fix this movie. Since we've paired the two of them uh, throughout this movie, 
Pleakley is the one who's like the rule follower. Here's the rules. Humans are hosts for mosquitoes, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And Jumba is chaos. And we get, we're supposed to get humor out of chaos and order working together. If we're going to give Jumba this redemptive arc, uh, where, where he's getting softer and softer towards Stitch and to Lilo, what would mm-hmm. be a great turn is for all of a sudden for Pleakley to be the villain because rules are rules are rules. Stitch has to go. Stitch has to be destroyed. Stitch is endangering the ecosystem. He should not be on this planet. And for, for like at the moment where Nani and Stitch have convinced Jumba to stop pursuing Stitch, that's when Pleakley should take take up the role. He's not designed that way. He's not designed for this function. Right. So, but I'm, no, I mean, the function that I'm suggesting. Yeah. But but it forces Captain Gantu to suddenly come back into this movie. And we've spent no time with that dude. So so this movie was made um, right after or it comes out after the terrorist attacks on September 11th, 2001. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there are some deleted scenes in this. And one of them is where Jumba is really shown to have this insane side where he attacks Stitch at Lilo's house. Right. Um, and they were it was just going to be a lot more violent. It's not as violent uh as it as it was. Um we get, maybe we still get also the, why we don't see how they hijack the plane, huh? Yeah, I I yeah. I mean, I think uh. I think there's I think there's that too where and I think there's something in there that we're missing. And that might be the reason why we're bumping our heads on this. That um, that real world events impacted the development of this. I, I buy yeah, that. Or, or, or cutting after. I mean, because they were probably in post, good, well in post when this, when this event happened. So, um, yeah. I mean, I think that's probably something that... You know, then they end up, they end up, the house is being destroyed by the, having them play hot potato with a blaster, right? It's, it's a lot more innocuous and not so bomb oriented or jumbo, you know, attacking the house. Um, Although one of my favorite lines is, oh good, my dog has a chainsaw. <laughs> That's my right. favorite line from that, from that sequence. Right. But no, right. I, I think I... What you just said makes a lot of sense to me. That maybe there was a, maybe with a plot where the movie gets messy is mm-hmm. a reaction to real world events impacting the story of this movie. Right. Uh, I, I can see it. I can yeah. see it. Like we have to, we have to soften up Jumba. We have to bring in someone else, you know, we have to make an absolute like Jumba can't, we need an absolute villain. And so we need some more, it, it can't be that nebulous. So yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll buy it. I'll buy yeah, it. I don't, I don't love it, but I mean, it's what I mean, I get this it. From, this is what keeps it from being a five-star movie for me, is right. the antagonist function in this movie. But I think given the circumstances, it can't be helped, right? Well, um, I mean, maybe it could be, but maybe they didn't have the time for it to be helped. Yeah. You know, that, that might be the issue. Or the resources. Right. Let's talk, about, let's talk about themes a little bit in this movie. This strong is this movie is very strong thematically, um, which is something that... You know, when I sit down to write a movie and I, I'm doing a couple of those right now, a couple of projects, I, I sit down and I think, okay, what do I want this movie to be about? Yes. And there and there are three things that I think um, this movie hits on. Uh, one is this theme of counterfeit versus real. Okay. Where, Can you where, expand on that? Yeah. Yes. Please. Where Stitch is a fake dog, but a real alien. 
Cobra Bubbles is a CPS investigator, but he's really with the CIA. There's mm-hmm. the the fakey tourist luau versus real Hawaiian culture. Um, okay. There's a, there's a lot of that that goes on. And and I think, you know, what's like, like Scrump's not a real doll, right? Or okay. the idea of what real is versus counterfeit. And I think, I, I think that, that built those little moment, that theme builds into another theme that growth and change is possible. Right. Because if I'm not feeling real, I mean, what what are we going to do? We're going to turn stitch into a Elvis impersonator, right? Again, an impersonator, a counterfeit. Um, Being yourself is the most, is the, is the real and that growth and change can get you from counterfeit to real. All right, so that's two themes. You said you had a third one. What's your what's your Well, third? yeah, that that redemptive love conquers all and found family, right? And creates found family. I think that's I don't know if Disney it. movies have ever been about redemptive love before <laughs> or found family. Uh this might yeah. be new ground for them, but but yeah. yeah, I I see that too. Sisterhood uh is definitely a theme here. Community building is is a theme. Um no, I mean I think I think this is a movie that knows where the heart of its story is mm-hmm. like, like it's just got to be, it's just got something to say that it says in every scene of this movie throughout the theme work is great. It's what elevates this movie. If you took that out and you just had the wacky hijinks, this movie would be forgettable. It's the I just, heart that yes, activates I, I just thought of something and I'm probably piggybacking off of Betsy's notice about the sandwich. Okay. Um, Lilo is listening to records and this movie takes place, I think in modern times. So I think it takes place at what year sure. 2000 children aren't listening to records and they weren't who, listening to Elvis. No, but who was her parents, their oh, parents for sure. But so also, that is a, a way to continue to like, like that child is processing feelings through Elvis Presley and songs. And what's the song and that she listens to heartbreak hotel. Right. But since my baby left me, Right. Found it, right. It's about loss. It's about being left. It's she right. feels left behind. Right. Since right. My baby left me. Um, and and that's that's how she's con- that's how she connects to him. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. good. So yeah. Good. good theme work. I agree. OK, well, let's dig into a pitch, Larry. Our last pitch of the season. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. We have Lilo and Stitch. We have Stitch the movie. We have Lilo and Stitch the series. We have Which Leroy. Yep. We have Leroy and Stitch. We have Lilo and Stitch 2. Stitch has a glitch. We have the short film, The Origin of Stitch, which I re- highly recommend. Uh, the anime version of Stitch, as you mentioned, the Mandarin version, which we also talked about. And there's an upcoming live action adaptation that should be out here momentarily. Fighting uh, I know. I know. <laughs> What would we do with this material? Okay. All right. Well, I don't know if you realize this, Andy, but it feels like maybe they've explored Stitch in a lot of different ways. So I'm going to go with a different character. Okay. I want to see Cobra Bubbles' origin story. I want to oh. know the story before this movie. A young Cobra Bubbles discovers aliens are coming down and yeah. ends up saving the world by convincing the aliens. Like, like he tries everything. He like tries to show them art, culture, like, like all of the things that human beings have been, have accomplished, and the aliens are completely unimpressed by all of it. And then, and in the last desperate situation, he goes, "And um, 
you know, we keep the mosquitoes alive. They're an endangered species. And that's what does it. That's I what love I, want. I, I love want. I want that. I want that. I want that too. So I really love Phineas and Ferb. I think you Ooh, I know love that. Them. And I keep thinking that it would be fun for Phineas and Ferb and Stitch to have a mashup show, television series. You just <laughs> reminded me of something. First of all, that would be great. Yeah. Completely with you. Yeah. Uh, and especially having Jumba and Dr. Doofenshmirtz working together exactly. would be fun too. Exactly. And, and Stitch and Perry the Platypus. It's, it's exactly. great. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, there yeah. actually is an episode of the Lilo and Stitch TV series, which is a mashup <gasps> with the recess characters. Oh. The recess characters come to Hawaii and interact with Lilo and Stitch. They are in a shared universe oh is that like the the brady's go to hawaii and and stitch is the tiki or whatever (laughs) it is i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pan the brady's go to hawaii although although maybe that would be a good bonus episode for us to do uh but but i love mashups and i i think you're right i love your mashup i love mashing it up with phineas and ferb that's great yeah that's i can see that yeah summer vacation lilo Phineas and Ferb, they they go to Hawaii but, and hang but everybody out with listening to this at parties where you're talking about Disney, which you know you go to, don't pretend you don't. I want you to start conversations with, you know that Lilo and Stitch are in the same universe as the recess characters, right? And <laughs> see how that yeah. conversation goes for you. I'm sure maybe you'll great. find your Ohana. <laughs> that's right. Well, Larry, Ohana, that's it. Our season finale. 80 episodes so far and we still have a lot of ground to cover. So oh we're going to we're going to take a little break. I don't know if I've ever done 80 of anything, but um <laughs> we're going to take a little break. We're going to do some more homework and we're going to come back with season 5 in the coming months. It is a great time for you to suggest things that you want us to see. That's right. Uh, want us to cover. Uh, we are very, we very much open to suggestions. Uh, that's why we did Xenon 2, folks. Um, <laughs> that was not our choice. That was yours. Let us know on our uh, Once Upon a Disney Facebook fan page. Yeah. Uh, Disney Podcast fan, Facebook fan page. Let us know what you'd like us to cover, and we will consider it. Um, I don't want to promise, but we will consider it. We do take these things seriously. That's right. If you like what you're hearing, will you do us a favor and share this podcast with another Disney or classic movie fan? And as Larry said, you can check out our Once Upon a Disney Facebook page. You can drop us a line in our mailbag at onceuponadisneypodcast at gmail.com. So until next season, friends, see you real soon. Aloha. Aloha.